first episode of Macworld. I'm 20 years old, born on January 5th, so I'm a Capricorn. Our animal is actually the goat, that's our sign. I was born in Calgary, and when I was five, I moved to Bali. And on my 15th birthday, I moved back to Canada, but not to Calgary, but to Edmonton. So I stayed there for a little bit, and then I went to Calgary. And I'm currently in Macworld, located in Fort McMurray. That's right. I came here to paint the room and to be interviewed. That is the reason I've been summoned to Macworld. Yes. Thank you for coming. We're very grateful to have you. Thank you. Wouldn't be what it is without you. Likewise. Yeah. So our first question is going to be, what is your earliest memory in life? What's the first thing you can remember? See, I have like several memories however i just don't know which one exactly had come first but if i were to guess i would say um i i remember hanging out with my cousins my um cousins from my dad's side my dad's italian so i had some italian cousins and we hung out at my grandma's house which is in calgary in bridgeland and we'd buy ice cream at the Bridgeland Market and go to the park. And they showed me the Blair Witch Project. I must, must have been like three or four years old. I don't know. And they said, yeah, don't tell your parents that you watched this. Nice. And I didn't, but I actually really enjoyed it. And that started my habit. I started to watch horror movies like without the knowledge of my parents. I just really liked them. Okay. That's my first memory was hanging with my cousins over there. Nice. So what do you like about horror movies? What's the big hoopla? The adrenaline, the thrill. Oh, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do for work, Stacey? I do commercial and residential painting. Okay. However, um, I do art as my like side hustle, but it's kind of my main hustle, too. You know, I don't consider it my side hustle. I consider it like also my job. It's pretty much like my second full-time job to me. I feel like what will be considered your main hustle is what you put the most time into. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say you probably put the most of your time into your art. The most of my effort, definitely. I don't know about time. So how long have you been doing commercial painting for? Since I was 18. How'd you get into it? Left home. Lost my job during COVID. I used to work at the Art Gallery of St. Albert. Okay. And I lost that. And then I moved to Calgary because I wanted to go back to Calgary. I was only 18. And I got a job in painting right away as soon as i went to calgary that was the job that i had gotten okay so you said you had a job at an art gallery before then so it seems like art has been very present in your life for yeah a prolonged period of time mm-hmm. so what was your introduction to art like when was the first thing that you you know had an effect kid. on you in an art form i was like i've been painting since i could remember well not painting been drawing since ever since i could remember but painting kind of came later okay once i knew how to like use paint better but like you know i'd be three four years old just making drawings what is it about it that you enjoyed before you had any idea about like the passion that you had behind it or anything like that what was it that you enjoyed about drawing having a finished product Mm. that's like okay guys like i'm all about showing and not telling you know i wouldn't just go somewhere and be like I can do drawing, I can make drawings, but not have, like, anything to show you. So having, like, 
having just something there done that's beautiful i don't have to say a single word just it's literal proof that i am this person that made this you know i guess yeah. it's just very 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 fulfilling and it makes me feel good about myself and and it's like it came from your heart you know it it could have been influenced by something around you or something that you liked that you saw on the internet i don't know but it comes from within right only you could have made that art only you could have had like the experiences and the ideas that could have built up into this this picture i think it's very important to, that you know it's so easy to have an idea like oh i could draw this like these fireworks look really nice i could make a painting of them tonight it's easy for you to just go home and do nothing and not fulfill this idea that you had like you know it's so easy to have an idea and let it slip out of your fingers but it's so important to like catch that tiger by the tail and to put in that extra effort of getting that idea done i think yeah. that's so important to me so the more that you do that you know you have an idea and you put in this extra effort of completing it because especially when i first started making art it was like um it might be a little bit hard for me to make that drawing you know of this thing that i feel inspired by so i'm just not going to do it it might be hard it might be a bit too much effort or maybe i don't know if it's going to turn out the way that i want it to and uh i feel like every time that you overcome that once it just makes it that oh sorry it's okay every time that you overcome that obstacle once it gets easier for the next time that you do it and it just kind of reflects into my whole life into i'm pretty sure anyone who makes art you know where every obstacle looks a little bit less overwhelming or hard to obtain mm -hmm. which makes me personally just feel like i'm growing every single day mm -hmm. which is quite addictive i don't like to be stagnant i don't like to feel like i'm not making much progress you mm -hmm. know what was it that was going on beforehand before you really reached that point where you weren't you know very fond of being stagnant what was a point where you felt like there was a transition in that okay that's a very good question thank you <laughs> <laughs> i guess i have kind of always felt that way but when did i really feel i was kind of forced to um, get real serious into my art hmm. it was more like I guess I just always knew that I wanted to make art my career. I just mm. loved doing it so much that I knew that I wanted that to be the way in which I made money and lived and ate. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was not going to happen unless I did grow. So, you know, as I grew up gradually, like even when I moved to Canada at the age of 15, I came by myself, like my mom came a year after me. I already knew that there was no choice but for me to improve and to adapt, like, it's just not like something happened and it broke my heart and like this is the decision that I had to make but or that I wanted to make but yeah I guess it's just from a young age knowing that you have to grow you it's just you don't have a choice yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. I feel like it's kind of hard to come across an artist who kind of just popped overnight you know what I mean like even the most world-renowned artists aren't even or weren't even as famous as they were in their time period. Like, there's so much more famous now, like, hundreds of years down the line. Mm -hmm. So what is it about, you know, art and yourself that makes you feel like you're capable of, you know, reaching that point? 
I've always loved art so much more than I've loved doing anything else. Mm. <laughs> you know, I I really like colorful things, and I I guess what why me in particular? Well, first of all, I don't think every twenty year old has gone through the same things that I have. Like, obviously True. not. Everybody has very different experiences, and like, um, I haven't had the easiest experiences, but. I guess I left grade 12 because of COVID-19. Okay. You know, my class got cut. I, it was pretty interesting, but mm -hmm. that was also the time I lost my job. And I was already doing custom air forces, like shoes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But during this time, I had also wanted to like leave the place in which I had been living. And I knew that... Um, extra money would always help me like in those moments so i was accepting commissions and i was pushing myself to do things that i wouldn't normally have done like i accepted this job which was a mural three murals in one house wow. so three people i painted bob marley eminem and pink on the walls of this individual's place pink, and like the, the artist mm -hmm. okay and i didn't even know that it was going to turn out good like i wasn't sure i was only 17 wow. when i did that but it did it turned out very good so, it's like it was actually to my surprise at that moment but uh i made some cash you know it mm. was just the pursuit of like money and i figured that if i could make it through art that it would help me grow in a way much better than making it through another mean. So was that the first time that you got compensated for art? No. Oh, okay. no, definitely not. But okay. like, for I guess it's like, what is the return on investment on what I'm choosing to do? Like, I could have made money doing something else, like cleaning a house, like, you know, cleaning, I don't know, doing something like that, let's say. But mm -hmm. that wouldn't give me a the same sort, like, sort of return on investment because by making money through art, I was actually getting closer to goals that I personally wanted to reach. I see. Like improving my skills was a huge one. I just wanted to get better at painting and better at drawing, better at doing what I do. And what was I saying? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to improve my skills. I wanted to improve um, my name in the art world. I didn't really care if I wasn't making that much money, but it's about like setting my name in stone and like it's like you are a certain person when you have um a portfolio of things that are pure evidence that this is what you've accomplished for example a portfolio of paintings murals drawings that i've done that is a lot more evident than me just saying that i do something right yeah so it's like by me choosing to force myself out of my comfort zone and make money and push these sales of like art I'm getting a higher return on investment because that stuff is actually going to help me in the future rather than taking some dead-end job that's just going to help me a little bit right now. So I didn't care if like I even made less on like a monthly basis than I would have taking another job at McDonald's or whatnot or Tim Hortons. You know, the first few months I did, I don't know, it was pretty inconsistent. But yeah, I just figured that all of this stuff will compound and like 10 years from now, I'm going to be grateful that this is what I chose to do. You're not basing or like focused on a return that's like monetary or something that's like tangible. What you're looking for is a return on an investment that you're making for yourself. Like when you invest in yourself, the return that you get from it, like the growth, the advancement, 
the ability to, you know, everything that you've learned throughout that process, you find that a lot more valuable than anything monetary that you could get. I do find monetary value very, very good. Yeah, and, you sure. know, that's something I've learned nowadays, too, especially with what I've accomplished. I, I like to charge higher, a lot higher than I used to. Okay. And um, another thing is that knowing... That if I do this now, in the future, I will be able to do that. I'll be able to charge higher. Yeah. People will be able to have more trust in me, and I'll be able to make more. So it's not about making more money right now. It's about making more money down the line. Okay. I don't think about... You're playing the long game. Yeah. Yeah. Chess, yeah. not checkers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think about long term. Of course. So, yeah. So let's talk about the first time that you were compensated for your art. Like, what was it that you did, and how much <laughs> did you make? 14 years old. Okay, well, I've done things before that where I wasn't necessarily paid. Like, I designed event posters and tickets for my school when I was 13 years old. Okay. Even 12, I was doing stuff like that. But when I was 14, one of my girlfriends, her name is Chelsea, her mom owned, like, one of the nicest tourist restaurants in Bali. Okay. And this was around the time that I wanted to move to Canada. I was getting these ideas, right? So it was about December or November. And they had asked me if I could paint this huge, like, mural on the wall of koi fish. And I was 14. I wasn't even sure if I could do it. But I was like, I need money to go to Canada. Yeah. And at this point, I had already dropped out of school. I was in the 10th grade. And for the last um, couple months of my 10th grade, I didn't go to class. I only went to art class twice a week. And, yeah, that was fun. But anyway, I just decided, you know what? Let's get a job with art. I've never been blessed with an opportunity like this. And they fed me food every day. It was a lovely restaurant to hang out at. It was around, like, the nice shops. I kind of felt out of, out of place because of how fancy it was, <laughs> honestly. But I was there painting every day for a while. And I got... How much did I get? <laughs> I didn't even get that much. I actually got $500. But it was huge. It was a huge, like, a huge mural. How long did it take you to finish it? Like, oh. from start to finish? Oh, start to finish? Probably, like, three weeks. Damn. Oh, like, it was a while. And, yeah. That is a pretty small like, but payment if for you that think about work, it, though. if you think about it, in Indonesia, that's where I did it. Minimum wage there is, like, what, 150 an hour? Oh, it's okay. different. I, I made see. so much money there. Like, that okay, amount of money there is probably more than I should have gotten, you know? Okay. But I, So, I'm it lucky. was a good payment. It's mm -hmm. just not in retrospect to if you were to do the same amount of work here. Yeah. Based here. off where you did it, you were compensated very fairly. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because I was young. Yeah. It's like the first thing that I ever did. Yeah. It was, it so was what crazy. Was it like when you got that payment? Yeah. Like, how did cool. I feel when I got my first check? Yeah, but before we even get into that, <laughs> like, how did it feel? Well, walk us through the process, if you can remember. Because I know I you were 14, so it's like... I can remember. They tell you what it is that they want you to do. Because I'm not familiar, right? I'm not like an artist in that way, necessarily a hands-on kind of guy with it, right? So when they tell you what it is that you want, can you walk us through your process of, you know, do you put it on paper? Do you go straight onto the canvas that you're going to be painting on? Like, what is that process? You know, go and do the sketch, and then this is what you want it to look like. Is that all a part of it as well? Are you talking about this job in particular? Yes, just this job in particular. They had asked me, what do you think would look good here? Ooh. And I was like, there's a koi fish pond out there. So what if we just put koi fish nice. in the sky? And I'll put some seaweed. 
and like i don't know bubbles like yeah. i even put like a pregnant fish on the wall nice. i deliberately made one of them pregnant and i just put like some other fish just swimming around and there was another part of not the same wall it was a different wall that i painted an elderly balinese man with um like ceremonial attire on like balinese ceremonial attire and they never had asked me like this is what i want they didn't tell me what to do they just said they give, give me you your flavoring. ideas yeah. what you think will look good and then just tell me and then go ahead and do it nice. so i didn't even have to sketch it out for them they nice. just trusted me that's awesome but sometimes i do sketch it out you know yeah mm -hmm. so what was that feeling like at that age like i mean one did you pursue it or did they ask you to do it like were they like oh we should get stacy to do this for us or did you go and say hey you should let me put something up on this wall no they asked me nice because i was pretty much the art girl even at that age nice that's cool i was always volunteering at school like i'll do the poster i'll do the tickets and it was sick i made some awesome posters <laughs> nice. and tickets for these dope events like the school christmas party and the school talent show and it did not look like, it genuinely did not look like a child had made them. Like, yeah. it looked like an adult had made them. It's just how you were saying, if you go and you have work to showcase, then, you know, people are going to take you a lot more serious. And that's how you get the request. Because, you know, you're not just going up to them and saying, hey, I can paint and I would love to do something here. They're, due to the fact that you had your work before, they're like, we like your work and we want to give you some more work. Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. So what was it like when you finished it? Are you one of those artists that's like, I hate it, I want to burn it down, it's the worst thing I've ever seen? Or do, are you someone that feels like, you know, this is great, I killed it, this is awesome? So it definitely depends on the piece, with the thing okay. that you just said. Like, sometimes I look at something and I'm like, when did I ever think this was good? Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> but you. Um, for that one, I was actually, like, struggling. It was the first mural and huge job that I ever did. Mm. And I was only 14, that was crazy. And I remember the whole time just thinking, I could give this up, like, oh i hate this like this is hard this is too hard Painting. when did it start to feel that way in like that whole process like did it feel that way from the beginning <laughs> midway through is when it starts to feel that way even with this i was yeah. just like in the room like like you yeah. know going back and forth rocking and i'm just like what am i gonna do like you know but that's just how it is that's just sometimes how it is when you have a, a deadline okay. especially when you have a deadline i see and i was just like am i going to be able but it's always like that, you know? It's like, am I going to make this as good as I see it in my head? Like, what is it about the time frame or the window that puts that kind of pressure on you? Because you seem like someone who's very confident in themselves and, like, confident in their <laughs> capabilities. So what is it about that window that, once you get a little halfway there, that makes you, you know, start second-guessing yourself? Oh, I'm not as bad anymore. Okay. And it only happens with, like, huge, intimidating projects. Okay. Especially things that I've never done before. Okay. So it rarely happens with things I've done, like, you know, drawings, paintings, whatever. When it comes to, like, okay, so I've never spray-painted a room, mm -hmm. A. B, like, that was the first mural that I did, obviously. So mm -hmm. that one in particular had definitely challenged me. But I'm so glad that it did. Like, when I was done, I was very proud of it. You know, I was like, this is humongous. Yeah. Like, you know, my friend can take a picture in front of it and he looks tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But I guess when I got the check, it was just a good feeling, you know? Yeah. So what was it like? Walk us through that feeling. I got 
an envelope full of cash and I was like, At 14, that's I'm dope. going shopping <laughs> nice. right now. So I remember I went to the mall and I bought some stuff that I had wanted for a while, like new clothes and a new swimsuit. And then I went swimming at the beach and I hung out myself that whole night. I went and I took myself for dinner and I was just chilling at the beach and at the mall. And the mall is right across the beach. That was the best night. And I just felt like an adult. And you know what? At this point, like I was only 14. This was when my parents were getting divorced mm -hmm. and I was staying by myself. Long wow. story. I was staying by myself for a while while I worked this job. I had my own motorbike to get to and from work. I was staying by myself. And yeah, I was like, I can go home at any time that I want. I have my own money. I'm not broke. Um, I just worked. I got this money. I don't even go to school. I don't even show up to my classes. You know, my dad's probably paid for my private school. I don't even show up. I'm making my money, paying for my own food, paying for my own clothes. And I'm about to, I can take on going to Canada. I left to Canada about a week, two weeks later. I, was, I just felt like an adult. Felt good. You know, it's like I can make money like this. When you finally finished the, like your first mural, what would you say felt better? Their like excitement, their appreciation, like, cause I'm sure they loved it. Or was it the compensation that you enjoyed more? Of course it was great to see them be, being like, oh my gosh, we love it. Thank you for doing this to our restaurant or whatnot. Yeah. But like the best feeling in the world was like the self accomplishment, not even the right. money. It was just more like you can do this by yourself. Not one single person had helped you. You like, Obviously, the client helped me by hiring me in the first place, but yeah. like, you know, um, I would have never done that had it not been for the work that you did before. So, you yeah, kinda not only just that, that, it's like, I guess it just felt like I felt very self sufficient, and that was like the best feeling in the whole world. I felt like I could do anything, like, if I just came up with an idea in my head, whether it would be to paint like something, you know, or to do something or to make something happen in my life if i pictured it i could like make a plan to make it into reality so it was just the whole excitement of that it wasn't necessarily the money or even the client's reactions that were the most important to me and influential in my life that's beautiful Thank that's you. such like i mean i know that there has to be people out there who haven't even experienced that yet right like i would think of people who come from like wealth who have kind of like you know had a lot of things just given to them throughout their life and folks who are fortunate enough to not have to really work too hard for things who haven't had the opportunity to experience that type of, you know, like satisfaction of I'm capable of providing for myself in every way, shape or form. You know, that's just awesome that you got to experience that at such an early age. It didn't come from nothing. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I can't say that, um, what I do doesn't come from like pain and trauma because it does. Mm. And I don't want to say that I need pain and trauma to do what I do. I probably don't anymore. I'm not sure. But like in the past, like, yeah, you know, it's like there were some things that happened that not everyone has to go through, mm -hmm. you know? So we're 14. We've made an immense amount of money. And it came from something that we're passionate about and something that we enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And our initial thought process is, I'm going to go attack Canada. Because I was making money in other ways, but it never felt like making money just on something that I purely 
been like coming from my heart that I loved. Yes. It was like something that I would have loved to do for free anyway. I got wow. paid for it. You know, that's just the most indescribable feeling in the world. Wow. And at the time I only did it because A, it was a great opportunity and B, I needed money. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't um, do that, I wouldn't have understood the feeling of what it's like to get paid for something that you really, really love that fulfills you. And the fact that I had felt that at one point, I thought I knew that I had to keep pursuing this feeling. That's why when I came to Canada and I started to do custom like Air Forces, mm -hmm. I did tons of like tattoo designs and drawings and all that. But So 10 years living in Bali. Yeah. And now you're moving to Canada. Yeah. So... I mean, of course, it has to be a bit of a culture shock, all these things of that nature. <laughs> but, um, like, walk us through that process. Like, what was it like? So, my parents were getting divorced, like I said. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting a place by myself. And I was making money. You know, I was just hustling, doing things I needed to do. You know, selling my art and all that. Mm -hmm. And I paid cash for a place that I was living. And it was about... 300 bucks a month like okay. literally nothing and i got like my own studio it was sick nice. but um yeah it's crazy there like in bali it's different you can just pay cash and that's it like you mm -hmm. know you could rent a car you yeah, don't even developing have to nations are like yeah that. right it's quite so common. it was pretty easy for me to do whatever the hell i wanted there like i even got tattoos they didn't even ask me my name yeah. but anyway like uh the biggest feeling for me was excitement. I always, always, always wanted to go back to Calgary. But I had an older sister living in Edmonton. Her name is Ginevra. She's a half-sister. She lived here. Now they live in um, Victoria, BC. She, her husband, three children. And I had never been close to her. The last time I saw her was when I was five years old. And... We had connected on Facebook, and I think it was literally the second time we had talked in, like, 10 years. It was crazy. But, wow. like, I just chatted with her, and I said, hey, so what's Canada like? You know, tell me about that. So we did have a conversation, and she just said, why don't you come live here in Edmonton? Be a part of our family. I'll tell you, like, I'll help you sign up for high school. And um, it would be better than what you're experiencing there, for sure. You know, like... Mm -hmm. In Bali, it's pretty reckless, and I did not like school there. School there was different. But, yeah, my sister basically said, you can come here. And she helped me arrange it, you know. I, she helped me book the flight and everything. She helped me go to school. When I came here, she was already like, I've enrolled you at Archbishop O'Leary High School. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So what's it like? Like, you're, you just, I'm sure the flight is extremely long. Um, you're 15 years old. I was ecstatic. Yeah. Ecstatic. I yeah. I was just over the moon. I was in Japan. I was like at the Tokyo airport during my layover, like recording yeah. everything, taking pictures of everything. I was drawn in the airport and I had like bought a Japanese water bottle and then I like took the plastic off and put it in my scrapbook because it had all the writing on it. Okay. I was just like, this place is sick. Yeah. And when I got to Calgary, it just, I remember like seeing snow. For the first time in 10 years. And I like, I fell to my knees outside and I almost started crying. Wow. I was like, this is beautiful. And I was wow. like holding the snow. And I, I, I hung out with my nephews and I had like a snowball fight with them. We brought them to the park, tobogganing, everything. 
I hung out with my nieces and nephews, played in the snow for like three days in a row because I was like, snow's for real, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just so happy. I was so, so happy. And the change, it just felt like, oh, wow. I don't know. It felt like a, a gift. Like I had been gifted a treasure chest full of diamonds. Wow. There were, of course, difficulties with me yeah, moving to like a whole different country. Change has always been very, very good and exciting for me. Like, it's mm. not like that for everybody, but I guess it's just because, like, I had a lot of changes growing up, and a lot of the changes that had happened had shown improvement. So change is just always, how are you going to grow if you don't change, right? Yeah. But Growth it's interesting because is... you would think in that circumstance that it wouldn't be, like, the most inviting type of change because the way that you're describing the way you were living in Bali sounded like you had a lot of freedom, sounded like you were capable of doing whatever it is you wanted to do, and, you know, you were kind of just out and about living your life, pursuing your dreams, doing what you wanted. And now you're moving to Calgary and you're 15 years old. Edmonton. And there's, oh, my fault, Edmonton. And there's no way, you know, you're not going to just hop on a, a moped and go somewhere. You're not going to be able to just walk into a place and get a tattoo. You're not going to be able to just go somewhere and make like 500 bucks, like inconspicuously. You know what I mean? So what was that shift like? I wanted I mean, structure. I had divorced parents. Okay. Sometimes I couldn't eat. Like, wow. I wanted structure. I, I wanted to live in a house where I didn't, like, feel like, you know, what if I can't make the rent, you know? Like, wow. that's my sister's house, you know? And, like, I just wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to a school where I didn't feel judged. I wanted to go to a school where I felt like I fit in with everybody. And in, in Canada, oh, I felt, like, welcomed with open arms. It felt amazing, wow. honestly. And... Yeah, I wanted that structure. I wanted that less reckless type of life. And like I said, over there, I can't make... F the only reason I made $500 was because it was a huge job and it was a fancy restaurant. Mm. That was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, maybe, especially from where I was at at that point. And it's, it's like when I thought that in Indonesia... I could keep pursuing my, my goal of being a, an artist. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be an artist, but realistically, am I really going to make that much money here? Yeah. Like, I thought that in Canada, I was going to make more just because everything, you get paid more here, everything's more expensive here. Yeah, that's I can, that uh, developing nation thinking, you know what I mean? And I'm I felt like I could get, like, yeah, like an established yeah. business, yeah. like all these licenses and whatnot, like that, in Bali. That American dream. The yeah. style of business is just really reckless and all that, right? Mm -hmm. Like... It sounds like one of those situations where it says you really don't know what you got until it's gone. I'm sure if you would have explained your living conditions or like the circumstances that you were living in in Bali to any of your classmates in Edmonton, they would have been like, why would you come here? You know what I mean? Like, I would have loved to have lived the way you were living. Like, I'm sick of my parents. I'm sick of this structure. I want to be able to do what I want. And then you got someone who's experiencing, you know, the polar opposite of that and is just begging for what they don't want, you know? Because I was like 14, I was like, I don't got, I don't have a family. Yeah. I smoke cigarettes every day and nobody stops. Uh -huh. Like, it was just like, what? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, yeah. I can skip school, I can go drink alcohol, I can go to the nightclub. And I, it was just like, I want to be educated. Wow. You know, I always did want to go to university until COVID hit. COVID changed that. But yeah, that was my dream was to just be a smart girl, university degree, and then get rich. Like, that's wow. it. That was my plan. I thought that I was going to get so, like, educated, PhD in art and art history, and be, like, the top curator at, like, the Museum of London. Yeah. Like, I thought that's what I was going to be. Yeah. But then, come on now. 
This is the age of social media where okay. 20 year olds are getting loaded on YouTube. Yeah. Like, I don't need to do that, you know? Okay. But that's why I, that's what I was thinking too when I came to Canada. If I have a degree, uh, no, sorry. If I have um, a certificate that I had graduated high school in Canada mm -hmm. versus from some random Indonesian hillbilly school, it's like universities will trust that more. Yeah. So that was also on my mind. I want to graduate at a Canadian high school. Yeah, I wanted that structure, you know. Yeah. And at the same time, too, like, it's nice to think about the place that I lived when I was by myself. At 14, I had an air conditioner. And, you know, my place was nice for 300 bucks a month. But, like, before that, me and my mom were living in a hut on the side of the road wow. with a house. Like, the roof was made out of hay. And I had slept with cockroaches running on my legs. Mm -hmm. And when it rained, it flooded the house. And I didn't have a bed. Yeah. Like, you know, I've lived in different circumstances. It's not like I was, you know, I don't want anyone listening to think I was this lucky 14-year-old who was just balling. Like, you know, it yeah. wasn't like that. Yeah. And, like, you would think people in those type of circumstances would, like, give up. Before you ended up in that circumstance, living in a hut with your mom, those type of living conditions, how were things before then? Like, were you living in those type of conditions the whole entire time that you were in Bali? Me, my mom, and my dad, before my dad left, had a beautiful ginormous house wow six bedrooms uh we lived in two different houses we actually owned two different houses one of them had three bedrooms very huge and gorgeous just one of the most gorgeous houses you would have ever thought wow. like huge tall ceilings we grew up our villa that had six bedrooms we had a huge swimming pool to ourselves like the type you'd see at like a gym or like mm -hmm. a rec center like it was big and um we had a lovely backyard with like a water tower that I could climb, huge trees full of flowers. And we had a security guard. We had three Whoa. maids. For your, for your home? Yeah, we wow. had three maids. We had 20, 24 Pomeranians. Like we had a lot of little doggies. <laughs> and my dad was always gone, business trips and all that. You know, it was just me and my mom chilling. And it was all good till like, I guess he came home from a business trip. I don't know. Like, I came home one day from school. Or no, I was hanging out with my friends. I don't remember. I think I was only about 13. Or I was 12 and a half. I don't know. And my mom was just, like, in tears, like, crying in the bathroom. And then I was like, Mom, are you okay? What's wrong? And she's like, I'm fine. Like, I could tell she was crying about something, right? And then I looked on the table, and her phone was, like, open. And I, it's weird that she didn't bring her phone to the bathroom. But, like, when I looked at her phone, it was basically, like, screenshots or pictures she had taken of my dad's phone. And it was basically a bunch of things that my dad was saying to, like, other women. So I didn't have to ask my mom what had happened because I saw it. I yeah. knew what had happened. So then it was shortly after that when she was like, come on, like, pack your stuff. We're going to go. We're going to go stay somewhere else. And, like, I came with my mom. Like, you know, I didn't want to hear anything from my dad. I didn't, want, I didn't talk to him for a long time. Yeah. And... Yeah, we just decided to move from this nice place to a little place. Yeah. And I wasn't too mad about it, you know. It is what it is. Riding with your mama. Most people would do that. That's pretty common. It was yeah. tough, though. Because we course. moved to this small place. And her sister had come to stay with us. And her brother. And, like, two or three of my cousins. I forget. But 
it was a small place. Yeah. There were about four people sleeping on the floor of my bedroom, sharing one bathroom. Like I couldn't sleep with these people around me. It was weird. And like, like I said, like if the, if it rained, the house was flooded. Mm -hmm. There were bugs. Like I could say the whole house was the size of this room. It was a very dungy place. Like it was just the worst place I've ever lived in, but I'm grateful, you know, it, it was an experience and I actually didn't hate it. Like, you know, did you ever want to just be like, yo, fuck this. I'm going to go live with that. Uh, no, I didn't want to live with him, but I knew I wanted to live by myself. Like okay. mm, my mom and I were fighting a lot. Like she was going through a lot too, but I was only 14, right? Was so it I'm like a lot of projection? Do you just feel like yeah. she was taking out a lot of Yeah, definitely. And she's like stressed out as hell, right? She's like, now what am I going to do for work? What am I, how am I going to make money? Yep. How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to feed my daughter? Yep. How am I going to pay for school? Her school is like 30,000 bucks a year, you know? And um, I guess I just was like, I'm tired of fighting with you. You know, she's like, you're not even showing up to school. <laughs> And I was like, I'm tired of fighting with you. You know, I'm, don't worry about me. I'm going to just do my own thing. And she's like, you know, even if I tell you to stop, I know there's nothing that I can say or do that will stop you. Like, you wow. will somehow disappear, whether it'll be in the middle of the night or right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did. I just, I left and I slept. I pretty much got that place right away. I slept at my friend's place for like one or two nights. And mm -hmm. then... That's when I had gotten the job a few days, a few weeks after maybe two weeks. I don't know. She was like, come paint my mom's cafe. I only stayed by myself for like two or three months. And I knew that it wasn't sustainable. Like I wasn't going to stay in Bali and keep getting miracle jobs like that. That's like not something that would just happen over and over. Yeah. So that's why I was like, when I was in that circumstance where I was living alone with all this freedom and like I could do whatever I want, it's like, this is not sustainable. Your little dreamland is gonna come to an end. So you need to make a decision. And wow. my decision was you need structure and education in the country which you were born. And wow. I've always wanted to go back, always. So like I said, change is growth and growth is good because it gets you further. So that's just how I was thinking at the time, you know? That's an extremely impressive decision to make at such a young age. Thank you. Yeah. It surprises me that other people wouldn't make that decision. It just yeah, sounded like a no. dream for me. I'm thinking of me at that age, and I definitely wouldn't have done anything like that. Like, not only would I not have been in a position to, like, where my head was at, I definitely wouldn't have even been able to, like, accumulate any type of money to go live on my own. But, you know, the type of responsibility that you would have needed at then at the point, I'm like, man, I was losing my house keys all the time like i would have to sit in front of my house waiting on my mama to come open the door so responsibility to take care of bills and feed myself is out the window i can't even take care of keys my so. motorbike broke down before i left so yeah. i was like what am i gonna do with it you know i was gonna yeah. give it to a friend or something like yeah. it wasn't even worth that much but yeah so let's talk about getting into edmonton so what was do you remember your first day of school yeah and how long has it been since you've even been to school because you told me that like you haven't been going to school, you were skipping classes, stuff like that, only going to art class. So how long has it even been since you've been in like an institution? <laughs> well, when do y'all start school again? I didn't go to school for a little bit. You know, I took a few months off and I was I was just chilling, was hanging out, learning Canada. Okay, yeah. And I was you. hanging out with my nieces and nephews. I was like, look at this door. 
But before God. we get there, how long had you not been in school? Like before you moved to Canada, how long had it been since you oh, like stopped going to school? Three months, two months, three okay, months. Okay, cool. So and then I took another few months off. And then I eventually started. I didn't go back to school for a while. But I do remember when I did go to school and I fabricated a whole bunch of things. I was like, yeah, I took math and I took this and I took that and I took PE and I took this and I took that. I didn't take any of it. But what are they going to do? Contact my Indonesian school? Yeah, facts. So nah, I like got all this credit for things that I didn't do. Okay. And I noticed, like I joined English 30-1. I joined uh, Social Studies-1. Damn, you just took the dash ones out the what, gate. What do you call it? European History 35. Mm -hmm. AP. I Damn. took like these high-level courses. Yes. And I noticed that it was easier than school in Bali. Oh, wow. School in Bali was tough. Wow. That is, the British education system has got to be like one of the worst education systems. It's so intense. It is but, very difficult. So would you say it's the worst or the most intense? Because I know that there's some schooling systems where like you just don't learn anything. Like to me, I would consider that the worst. Maybe I, guess, I could be wrong. Yeah, I could be wrong. Like I haven't, I've heard a lot of things where people think that the education system is literally a scam. Like they would only homeschool their children. And I still have yet to like do research, do more research into that. Yeah, I've heard and, that a lot too. Like yeah. people that get homeschooled properly, they take their exams and they'll always usually test like a grade or two above. So it's kind of like the theory is that you're being held back on purpose. Like they're kind of like holding you back. But the thing is, it's like the education system is meant to program you to be part of the matrix. They're telling you that like, you have to get the perfect grade so that you can get into the perfect school. Like you have to go to university or else you're not going to get a good career. And they're basically teaching you how to be a little societal slave so you fit perfectly into this civilized puzzle piece. And I think that that's the problem with school. I think that's the problem because often if you want to be exceptional, you can't be ordinary. And school teaches you how to be ordinary. Yeah. And they encourage it actually. Like... I tried to write, I, rem I remember just taking notes using like a, an orange Sharpie or like a gold pen, something that I thought was dope and artistic or making doodles in my art. Mm. Like I made doodles in my math notes, like little doodles and stuff. They told me to stop. That's not, that, that's not what I do. I doodle in my diary every day. I think mm -hmm. it's so much more effective and better for me personally. Like I just think that that's probably the problem with school is how intense. That's one thing I noticed about Balinese school. They were very big on trying to make everybody a certain way. Okay. You know? And they're very good at making you feel bad about yourself. Okay. So, though it does make you very educated, intellectual, smart, you know, spelling is probably impeccable, great vocabulary, you know, your reading skills are probably the best if you go to a British school, but... Do you feel good about yourself? Do you mm. grow up happy? Do you have a happy childhood? Mm. Do you believe in yourself? Do you have ambitions that are bigger than university? You know? And, like, it's okay if your goal is, like, I love medicine. I want to be a doctor. Cool. But do you feel forced to do that? Yeah. You know? Like, do you feel, like, fear within you that if you don't do that, you're not going to be successful or you're not going to live a good life? It's it all that, like, you know? right back to what we were saying earlier, like, the return on your investment. You know. Like, where in high school do you learn how to build a business? 
Where? Yeah. They will teach you some BS. And you know what? That's because they want you to go to university and get a job so that you can serve society as a lawyer, as a doctor, as an architect, as an accountant. I don't know. But like, where do they teach you how to do the things that really matter? Where do they teach you... Um, Yes, sir. I'm gonna go off. We're not even talking about school, you know. We're just talking. About, we should talk about something else. I forget what you even asked me. It's okay. You got your passion. I understand. So I guess it's not the worst. I, f I feel like every single education system probably has its own pros and cons. I don't yeah. know enough about AP or IB or whatever they call all these things, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, when I came to Canada, it was pretty much easier. Okay. So in your and junior year of high school. September. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So we're in school. It's September. We're living in Edmonton at the time. Yeah. How long does it take until you, you know, get back in your little art bag? Like, till you start, you know, trying to do... Because I, I figure <laughs> you're trying to do the same things that you were doing in Bali, at least. Like, you know, making posters, tickets, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I don't see you not trying to, you know... Yeah. Take advantage of that situation and kind of... Do the same things you were doing before. So how, how long until you kind of start, you know, letting the world know? You the thing I didn't talent. like about my Canadian high school was that, for example, when I went to school in Bali, they're very interactive with the students, you know, like if like we're doing... Like the teachers or the students amongst themselves? No, like if we had a... Well, that too, but if we had like a, a talent show, okay, the kid would be emceeing, the students would be organizing it, the students would do everything, the students would make the posters, the oh, tickets. Okay, Here, see. like what? The school basically just tells you to show up yeah. and th there's already a priest doing, I went to a Catholic school, yeah. there's a priest doing mass, there's a teacher who already made the, the flyers that mm -hmm. look like ass mm -hmm. and like they made the tickets. You know, that's the thing about Canadian high school I noticed was that it was a lot more like, like that, you know, programmed like that. Yeah. It's not like the, the kids could put their creativity into it. Yeah. So, so I so wasn't. Like in Bali, the education, like the instructors, the like professors the teachers they were heavy on like the teaching just but the when school. it came to like recreational stuff like they kind of just left all that up to you guys it was just the school that i went to okay cool gotcha like i was like i went to one of the most expensive schools in bali okay probably the best high school in bali okay it was called diet mika sekola diet mika that's the school that i went to mm -hmm. and it was very expensive but anyway um it wasn't the most expensive school in Bali. It wasn't. It was like the second or the third. But yeah, it was great, I guess. I got bullied, but it, I mean, I'm feeling good. <laughs> it taught me some good lessons and, you know, it helped me be creative. Like, And it wasn't just the school itself, but there was a music teacher that I had got, gotten very, very close to. And her, she was from this is in Bali, right? England. Okay. Yeah. She was very impressed by like my art and my my piano skills because I played the pianos in her music class. Mm -hmm. We became like literally best friends, me and my music teacher. And over there, let's just call her Mrs. Zelda. You know her. You you say teachers by their first name. Her name is Zelda, and she organized the whole talent show. So the only reason that I was appointed to do the tickets and the posters was because we're so close. You know, like that's it. It wasn't that they choose any student. You know. I was very close to the music teacher who organized the whole thing. But like over here in Canada, I didn't even know who was making these events. And yeah. I, there were a lot more people. The amount of people that, was in my old, that, were, that were in my old school probably were now in my grade, yeah. you know? Like it was just really big. I mean, so, you go to expensive school, that's pretty common. 
it's like smaller people with smaller yeah. amount of people yeah so when i went to this canadian high school the very first things that i did i wasn't concerned about making money through art i really wasn't i was concerned with getting a part-time job because over there i couldn't legally get a part-time job i couldn't legally work anywhere in Canada, yeah. and i didn't in bali sorry oh, okay because like on paper mm -hmm. yeah. not only that they don't hire white people Oh, wow. I don't look Indonesian. There's no way in hell like I was getting any menial job. Wow. The only way I could make money was something like, you know, art freelancing or making a business. Holy shit. My parents. And that's um, wild. I didn't I would have never even thought that. You yeah. will not see a white waiter or waitress there. Wow. They're all brown Indo. So um yeah, I was ecstatic. I was like, I wanna work at Tim Hortons. You know, <laughs> I was just like oh, I can package the McDonald's like really I can be the person who's doing that that's yeah. crazy like that's yeah. not something that I ever experienced I felt like that was so sick that you could just have a job mm -hmm. show up every day and it wasn't about just making money showing up and seeing the same people every day that kind of warmed my heart making friends Canadian friends and um yeah that was a big thing for me you know so when I came here my biggest focus on for art was purely just to improve my skill so that I could look at a collection of paintings that I made and be like, oh, I made those. Those nice. look beautiful. And so I made, I got these little canvases, you know, three by three inch with little easels. And I made little pictures. I gave them to my sister, my neighbors, whoever. I started babysitting for cash, you know, okay. watching after children. Yeah. And I didn't do that myself. My sister had posted me on the neighborhood Facebook or whatever. Okay. So I did that. And, yeah, so I would give the, like, the parents some of the art that I had made. And, um, yeah, what was the question? Yeah, right. Okay, I just wanted to improve my skills. Valentine's Day. I remember making these little, like, heart, and I had hearts, and I had, like, little drawings. And mm -hmm. I, like, glued them to, like, foam hearts. Mm -hmm. And I gave them to, like, all of my friends. I made 20. Like, it was just about making people feel, feel good and, like, improving my own skill. Yeah, kind of like, um, well, I mean, maybe this may not be a tradition in Bali, but in the States, when they, uh, when it's Valentine's Day, and, like, when you're in grade school, like, grade one through five or kindergarten through the fifth grade, they're, it's, like, mandatory. Like, everyone needs to bring lollipops with, like, every student's name on them. So yeah. everyone gets something for Valentine's Day. Yeah, So no. it's, like, you were trying to kind of do, like, an inclusive thing, making your friends feel good, just in case your friend might have not gotten nothing for Valentine's Day. Just for my girlfriends, yeah, you know, I that you I met. I got something for Valentine's Day. My new Canadian friends. Yeah. I made friends the second I showed up. I met my best friend right away. Nice. It was pretty fun. And she and I would like laugh so hard every day. Like we could just look at each other and like piss ourselves laughing. <laughs> she was my best friend. And we met literally my first day of school. We met. Wow. And we became inseparable ever since. Honestly, coming to school in Canada was one of the most amazing things I beautiful. ever felt. That was beautiful. So... When you were going to school in Edmonton, what was the first thing that you did artwork-wise? Like, besides the hearts and the Valentine's Day gifts, like, what was the first thing that you did that you got compensated for? And was it while you were in school? Yes, it was. I do believe the very first thing was getting paid to do somebody's art homework. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice dope. That's I didn't up. take art at the Canadian high school just because... Um, I believe my schedule was full, and I decided to take choir instead, okay. which I loved. I loved choir. It was my, one of my favorite classes. But, yeah, uh, someone was taking art, and he was just like, can you do my art homework for me? And I'll 
give you this amount of money. It was like a hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. So I, it was about this big. It was just two hands, like hands. And I drew two hands that looked gorgeous. They looked so real. It looked like a black and white photograph of hands. Dang. Just with a white background, though. Like mm-hmm. There's no shadowing in the back that I put, which added... It made it look like it wasn't realistic, but the hands themselves look realistic. Okay. But he paid me, and that drawing won first place Damn. at the school talent show for the arts. Name. Out of all the art students, I won first place, but it was under the name of Brian. So, yeah. Are you one of those kind of people that's like, you know, is going to get up and be like, ah, I drew that. Nah, that's mine. You just let nah. it go. No one ever knew. It was like I knew. Okay. That, that was enough I for won. you. So that's the first thing. And then after that, it was one of my friends. His name was Ralph. And Ralph was like, I really need custom Air Forces. Okay. You've got to make them for me. I said, I don't do forces. I don't know how to do that. I don't mm-hmm. even want to do that. And he said, just try it. Please just try it. And like, I'll get you a whole bunch of paint. And like, I'll give you this much money. Just try it. I don't know anybody who paints. Mm-hmm. So I did make the shoes. And it was so much easier than I thought it would be. Like What'd I had do? seen custom forces, Instagram, Pinterest, and always looked nice. But I'm like, that's, I don't know, maybe one day I just don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what paint to use. I don't know how to make it stick. Mm-hmm. But then I learned. And then that was the start. I made one pair of shoes and suddenly everybody wanted a pair of shoes from so me. So what did you do for the first pair of shoes? What were, like, what was the design on them? <laughs> he was like, I need an eagle here. Okay. I need it to say like long live no it just said llr which stood for like long live ronald or whatever his name mm-hmm. was and it's like i need an eagle here and then the other shoe i want the eagle's wing spread and uh, yeah it was like my brody for life i just had to write it like paint it it's whatever font that i wanted mm-hmm. it didn't even turn out that nice like i thought they were kind of stupid mm-hmm. and he's like yo these are like he was just flexing them everywhere and i was like okay and then everybody wanted a pair from me and like his friends and even some of my friends and then the second pair of shoes that i ever did i did too i did (laughs) i did like a green and blue very fluorescent octopuses on black air forces and then i did the gucci snake on some van and after that it was like wildfire i was getting a lot of shoes if like I'm looking at this correctly, based on everything that you shared with me, this is kind of like your first little taste of fame. Everyone wants Stacy to do art. Like I need you to do these. I need you to do these. I want these. I want that. I want that. So, I guess, what did that yeah. feel like for you at that time? Y'all, I only have two hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, uh, it was great. It was really good, but um, I didn't really enjoy doing the shoes. I was Word. just like. It felt like working a job. Because yeah. most of the time it was like, this is what I want on my shoes. Yeah. And like, uh, oh, wow. I remember doing a job for even a guy from like another school. Like people that I just never heard of before were reaching out to me on Instagram and Snapchat. I'm like, hey, I heard that you do shoes. I heard that you're the shoe person. Kids so now it's getting to a point that people shoes. that don't even know you or like don't even go to your school are reaching out to you to try to get you to do something. For yeah, them. and it'd be like, 
I was only 16 mm-hmm. in school, and there would be like 22-year-old dudes in my city yeah. just trying to get it from me. Like, it's not like they're going to school still. Yeah. I had like 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds getting yeah. shoes off of me. It was just in the city, I guess. Like, people just kind of knew. Word travels. That's how yeah. Nazareth reached out to me because mm-hmm. he he had no idea who, he, who I was. We never met. Like, he yeah. didn't even go to my school. He didn't even go, like, to school during the same time as me. Yeah. So If it is in that time frame, Naz didn't even live in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> he he did live Shout in Fort McMurray when I when I first spoken to him. So yeah, it was just random people reaching out to me, and it felt like I was working a job. It felt like I'm only painting what everybody else wants me to paint. I don't even like Air Forces that much. Work. I'm probably not charging enough money. Work. That's something a lot of artists do in their early like years is they don't charge enough money. Yeah, which is like. I could get into that, but that's a whole other topic. But yeah. yeah, you know, I I just kept doing it, you know, and I would reject offers here and there, but um, for the most part, I took them just because I wanted to build up my clientele, my portfolio, and my skills. Huge thing. The more I did it, I knew the better I would become at it. So, like, even if a job wasn't exactly at the time favorable to what I wanted to do, it was like, at least it's helping me get better in some way. I don't know. We're getting compensated. Even though it may not be enough, we're making some money off of our art. Yeah. And I guess it's fair to say this is the first time where you're doing art and you're not feeling satisfaction from it. Yeah. This is the first time for that. Yeah, I yeah. guess. So how long did it take for you to just be like, I'm not doing it anymore. Or did you ever like... Two months ago. But you know what? I didn't even feel satisfied from that first mural I did in that cafe. It just felt like a job that I did for money. I guess it was good, like, you know, fulfilling because it's art and that's what I like and it came from within. But like, there's a whole different feeling when it's a painting that you had made and it's from your heart and, you know, somebody wants to buy it after the fact or whatever it may be. What is the first piece of art that you felt satisfied about? I've made lots of pieces of art that I've liked personally that I haven't I hadn't been able to sell. Well, I guess you know what? There was there was one time that I just made a painting and it was the first time I ever like tried out graffiti and I made a whole canvas full of like different graffiti pieces that I had done and I was I think that was 2020 like when COVID hit. Mhm put it on Facebook Marketplace and somebody bought it like the same day. I'm trying to think, is that the first? Yeah, I guess that that was probably the first time somebody bought something big off of me. This is nice, you know, and it doesn't always happen. I've put plenty of things up there that nobody has bought mm-hmm. and it's fine. And um, I suppose I've also made plenty of paintings just by myself in my spare time. Like while I was doing shoes, I would obviously be working on like a personal painting at the same time because I don't give up on that. Mm-hmm. And I remember I made one that was about 9 by 12 inches on a canvas panel. I just gave it to my best friend. Wow. It was a meaningful painting. It came from my heart. My best friend adored it. He loved it. So that's it. That's, that's all I needed, you know? At first, it's okay when you're paid for the skill set that only you have. But it's like, that's just a job. Yeah, it doesn't have that same type of satisfaction towards. Yeah, and especially as time goes on, and you start to know who you are and what you do, 
when you're just like at the time too when I was accepting so many commissions my identity was like a little bit more malleable I guess I was just like I didn't know what type of artist I was and what I wanted to do and accomplish okay. I thought I would let other people determine Decide that for, for me. you yeah Mm-hmm. I'm only 20 now, right? So mm-hmm. I guess when I really noticed was when I took the worst commission of my life, but that's a whole nother thing. We'll get into that. So mm-hmm. it's fair to say that you've been making money off of your art since you were 14 years old. Yes. So this has been maybe not consistent, but a constant form of income. Yes. Like constantly in one point or another or one time or another you've been able to make some money off of your art. If I was pursuing it and chasing it, I was making money. Now, at some point, we do end up getting into commercial painting. So when was it that that transpired and what was the motivation behind it? 18 years old, the motivation was that the guy who ran the business was my dad's best friend since the 90s. And this is in Edmonton? Calgary. Oh, in Calgary, okay. So because my dad lived in Calgary in the 90s. Okay. And that's where... He had uh, conceived my two half-sisters and with another lady. And then, yeah, because I was five. So that means I must have moved in 2008 mm-hmm. or something like that. And what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> I was asking, how did you end up doing commercial painting? Yeah, right. So they were best friends, my dad, and his name is Stacy. The guy's name is Stacy, which is wow, weird. So you guys mine. have the same name. <laughs> yeah, but I'm S-T-A-C-I-E. And mm-hmm. Stacy is S-T-A-C-Y. So that's my boss. And yeah, Stacy has a family-owned painting company that his parents had ran. And they paint anything, you know? They know everyone in the city, in Calgary. We have renovated, um, you know, pubs, office buildings, hospital, restaurant, whatever you name it. Like, we've, I've done it. You know, mm-hmm. we've done it. So I just contacted... Stacy, <laughs> Stacy's family, because you know what's funny, um, Stacy's wife is actually also Indonesian, and I knew her growing up in Bali. And when Stacy visited Bali, that's where he met his wife. So I was close with the family. Like I, okay. I knew Stacy because he literally came to visit Bali and stayed at our house okay, all you. the time. Gotcha. So, so I've you known him Stacey, since. Stacy knew you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he knew that I was living in Edmonton. And I knew his name, like, you know, I found him. It wasn't hard to yeah, find him. It'd be pretty hard to forget. <laughs> yeah, so I just reached out, and he treats me like his own daughter, you know? He's like, why don't you just come live with us? Mm. We have other people from the crew living here, and you can come work with us. We'll drive in and out to work with you every day, and, you know, Teeny is his wife's name. He's like, Teeny cooks dinner for everybody every night, you know, that's it. And there were two other, two, three, quite a few other crew members living there. At different people came and went. Yeah, that was a big house, and yeah, if you work for them, it's like a very tight family business. They don't just hire anybody. So if you're in that, they're you're just really close to them. I see. You're like you know that's just how they are, and that's how I got into it because I became part of their family, and mm. that's what they do. And so, I lived with them right away when I started. Outside of having that connection, like what made you even want to get into it? Because, I mean, one thing is having the opportunity or having the connection to get a job. But another thing is like actually wanting to do the job in the first place. So what is it that made you feel like, you know, I can do this or I'm down to do this? 
better than being broke and starving and be like (laughs) what's so bad about painting you know (laughs) like i figured i could do it i I wanted to do like a job where i get to move a lot yeah didn't want to sit down because i did dabble in like i had a sales job before that which i hated i hated that and you know sales is not the worst thing in the world but also depends which company are you working for and what are you selling because i was not working for a good company and i was not selling anything good so you know i also worked at a at a flower factory where we package like bouquets mm-hmm. and mail like these bouquets out, mm-hmm. but that was just dreadful. Like working that job was terrible. Sounds very repetitive. Uh, yeah, it's not even the repetition. It was like the environment. Oh, okay. And I guess I just knew that I didn't like any of that and I figured like painting couldn't be worse. I wanna try it. And then I did and I was like, I liked it, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever done. It's, it's not bad, honestly. It's n- it's not like I wake up and I'm like, I hate my job, you know. I don't want to go today because I felt that way before. I was just neutral, you know. Wake yeah. up, I'm glad I get to be a part of this. Yeah. And I go, I get to learn how to replace a floor today, you know. So does your passion for art, do you feel like that played a role in no you getting this job? It's a coincidence. Okay. Mm. Cool. That's what's up. Paint is paint, right? So the same medium i guess falls under two different occupations and i just happen to enjoy both however commercial and residential painting helped me so much with learning about paint itself better ways to use paint or what i should be doing you know like when i'm painting a house i guess Mm -hmm. you know these little tricks that i wouldn't have known things about paint like i remember Well, first of all, obviously, it was like how to smooth out your ridges, you know, ridges if I'm painting. And there's like little lines that you can see how to make it look smooth, you know. And there was a time when I would make paintings, like, for example, even on the shoes. And I would like try to use a little bit of paint, like not waste the paint and try to make this little bit of paint go as long as it could. But then like I learned doing doing this job, they're like, no, you can't do that get a full paintbrush, make sure that you get a fat, nice, like thick cover of paint on there. Mm-hmm. You don't want any like thin looking parts anywhere. Mm-hmm. They said if you cut in the room twice, but you cut it in too thin, you're gonna be wasting another hour cutting it in again. Okay. So they said, make sure you cut it in with a thick, nice layer of paint the first time. So that's when I started to don't cheap out on the paint. It's like, it can't be too thin. It can't be looking thinner in other areas. It has to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And that's one big thing I learned was don't cheap out on the paint. Like, you know, if, um, if you think that one job, like maybe I could do it in one can, if I spread it out, you might just buy two. Like, you know, it's not, you just buy two. It's going to look better. You know, that's probably like a very significant lesson that I learned in painting. Learned quite a few things, but that's just one of them. So I feel like something that is probably pretty common for any age frame, honestly, you know, when you're in your adolescence and you're kind of like in a position where you have an idea of what it is that you want to do or, you know, you have a passion or something that you want to pursue, people will like always tell you, you got to have a plan B. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's what you want to do. We'll find something else that you could do just in case. And I feel like that is 
as much as it is common, I feel like it's most common in anyone that wants to pursue like any form of art, whether you want to be like an actor, you want to be an artist, you want to be a rapper, you want to be a singer, you want to be any type of musician, a performance artist, oh, I want to be a dancer, you know, anything like that. They're always like, you got to have a plan B, you got to have a plan B. I feel like for you is different. <laughs> I want to be an artist. Someone's 13, right? They've made this decision. I want to be an artist. That's what I want to be. When I get older, I want that to be like my career. Yeah. And, you know, someone will tell them, make sure you have that plan B. But for you, it's different because it's like you have been making money off your art since you were 14 years old. I feel like it was fair to say, at least at the age of like 16, 17, by that time, all the, you know, the stories that you shared with us, all these projects that you've done, the compensation that you've had you are an artist right yeah. it's something that you do yeah so it's like with this career choice where it's actually what you can do like only this i'm not doing anything else yet you haven't made it to that point just yet you've decided to go and get something else that's going to make be a more consistent amount of money i guess yeah. yeah was it hard getting to that point did it feel like you were kind of letting go on your work did you feel like, I don't want to do this because I want to just put all my time into my art? Were there any hardships? Like, what was it like making that decision at hardships that time? Hardships every day. But it was worth it, you know? I, yeah, I just thought, like, I got to do it. There was, like, the way that I was living before I moved in with my boss in High River, which is about... 40 minutes south of Calgary. That's where we lived. Um, yeah, we drove in to Calgary every day to go to work. It was about a 45 minute drive to work, you know? And we had one huge work truck. I remember on the way to work every day, I just fall asleep in the back. Like it was pretty, I went to sleep at the same time every day, woke up at the same time every day. I went to work every day. I came home, I hit the gym. But I guess before that, I didn't have a job for a little while. And I was living, I was in a relationship with someone who was very, very controlling. Mm. And it was like pretty much emotional abuse. It was very difficult. And I knew like, no matter what it took, I would like to get away because we were living together. I was, at, I was 17. That was when I decided to leave like where I was living Stacey and go Hoss, stay yeah. with him. So we stayed together for a while, but it was like prison. It was worse than prison, psychological yeah. prison, mm. and like and physical. So, yeah, I just thought like this is ridiculous, you know. Like, um, I was making money like through shoes and all that, but you know, I was just making enough to pay half of the rent. I'm still paying him half rent. It's like I'm paying enough, just enough to make half the rent and paying for like half the groceries and all that. But there's no extra money for me to go if i want to go to the mall with my friends i can't go to the movie like i can't buy a shirt that i like if i see it you know it's like it was always just enough for what i needed it was very limiting and at the time and there were times when i just didn't have anything right all the time i just didn't feel good and i thought like if i have to work a job even if it's just temporary like it's not the worst thing like it'd probably be good like experience and like yeah. I'd meet people, like, what's what's so bad about it, you know? Mm. Like I said, like, change is good because that means growth. So I was just more so excited for what I would be able to do with myself if I were to, like, get some sort of occupation. Because then I'd be, obviously now I'd be more capable of 
instead of being stressed about how am I gonna eat, now I can like actually have money to go to the art store and buy paint if I need it. And you know what? Like my bosses right away, I didn't have a car yet. They gave me a car to use. Of wow. course, like when I stopped living with them, I left the car. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they gave gave it to me. But when I like while I lived with them, they're like, "This is your car to use. Here are the keys." They had a few cars, so it's like I don't have to walk to the grocery store anymore. I don't have to like if I want to buy a huge canvas, I can go, and I don't even have to worry about how am I going to pay for a fifty dollar canvas because I have a job, mm-hmm. you know. And it was good. It was really good. I didn't have to pay them rent. They just took a little bit of money off my paycheck. Okay, cool. Like I didn't have to worry about a thing. You know, he's like, just help yourself to whatever in the in the fridge. And they had a full, gigantic pantry. Like, fridge was full. They had two kids and a whole bunch of people in the family. And it was just always fully stocked with food. Like, I went from living, worrying about rent, worrying about how am I going to eat? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? To, like, even though I'm working a job, at least now, I don't have the stress that is, like, hurting my dreams. Like this job like even you know my bosses were the like some of the first people to show me like support you know Mm. like when i first started working with them stacy's sister joanne she's also like one of the bosses she took me under her wing she took me to staples right away and bought me a portfolio to put all of my artwork in awesome yeah and she was just like make business cards make posters because if you just put in the right steps towards this plan you can actually make it something and nobody's actually ever talked to me that way but she's a businesswoman she is working like she's working in the business right she's one of the bosses so yeah she just basically said make some business cards make some posters i just bought you this folder show me when you're done and she said i'll put your um promo in like the paint stores which never happened but anyway like nobody's talked to me that way before she said like the with the right steps you will get to where you want to go you know trust me i've been in business for quite a while and that's where it started because before that i had i had like these vague ideas in my mind but i was surrounded by idiots who had nothing to teach me so it's like finally i'm around somebody who's has experience in business and you know i I don't mean to say idiots but like you know it's just before that there was nobody around me that had much to teach me like you know people ignorant towards what it is that you were like you were searching for knowledge and specific things and the people around you were ignorant towards what you were looking for yeah yeah or if i if i did bother to say well like what i had planned it was or what i wanted to do it's like what's the use in telling you you're probably gonna either shoot me down or tell me that it's impossible or whatnot right yeah so i didn't feel the point in doing that so when she expressed like that she believed in me yeah i just i i realized the true potential that i had and it was just me alone staying in a house full of like these new people i didn't have like people from my past limiting my identity because they know an old version of me, right? They know a girl who hasn't accomplished what she wants yet or doesn't know anything about business. They know a girl who um, hasn't made any business cards or doesn't even know that she's supposed to. Why? But that's not who I was anymore. Now I was this girl, Stacy, 18 years old in High River, who I was getting my life together, you know? I was going to the gym every day and doing painting. Why? And do two different types of painting. 
yeah it was it was sick you know 18 year old me i'm proud you know I, and when i felt like the people that i lived with believing in me and even she said she was like you know i feel like you're gonna be with us for a couple of years you're gonna be working with us for a while but someday your art's gonna fully take over that's it and she, when she said that i was like damn right <laughs> you know it always feels good when i was only 18 me. nobody had said those words to me before i didn't think it was a possibility i always like i said to me it was when can COVID end so i can go back to university and maybe hopefully get a job when she spoke to me in like those ways like those different types of words i just i realized that like business is business and you don't need a degree true yeah and, and then i realized like i've already made money where's my degree yes you know so that's it that just that was that was it for me second i got that purple binder which i still have i was like this is the start <laughs> yeah let's talk about um commission work your commission that almost killed you <laughs> i feel like it's such a great example of you know the things people are willing to do the things people are willing to put themselves through to reach a goal, get some compensation, and please others. Let's start off at the introduction. You know, like, you get this commission, you know, what was this person requesting? Like, break us down with the introduction. How did it start off? Um, so, first of all, I've done lots of commissions in my life and this was certainly the worst one however there were a lot of bad ones that i've done that i could talk about and you know it all kind of like starts where like i did one that was like pretty bad or no i, I had like a lot of fantastic ones but like if we're just talking about the bad commissions that i've done mm -hmm. i i guess it started off with like a little bit bad a little bit crap and then there was one that was like pretty bad and then it took that worst one where I almost died like that one was when I was like it, it really had to build up like like you know sometimes it's great to learn from what other people tell you but sometimes life has to teach you some certain lessons Thanks, so I guess the whole thing is about the lesson that I learned is selling your soul for money Okay, before we get to the lesson, the commission, the commission. it's yeah. so Probably much. I, 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 so this man says, I need a portrait made out of pennies. You know, I have thousands of pennies and I want it to just be a giant portrait of my wife. And um, I, I read the message and I was like, no, what, what? <laughs> you know, but then I was like sitting there thinking, I'm like, is this something that I really don't think that I can do? Oh, okay. And I'm sitting there like, I'm up for the challenge. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been that way. Like, it went from me not being sure of myself to, to thinking like, I went through this period of where I was not too sure of myself, like a little bit of self-doubt, to where I realized you cannot, absolutely cannot have self-doubt. And when I'm doing a project, and I'm like, what if this turn, turns out like shit? What if this doesn't turn out right? What if I don't know what I'm doing? The very first thing I always tell myself, and I've always told myself this since I was 17, was this is probably going to turn out better than you expect. 
So just trust your own process and trust that it will turn out better than you expect. So when I tell myself that, I calm down and then I just take it step by step and I proceed, right? So I thought, when I started thinking that way, I started taking on very ballsy commissions, right? So I'm like, you know what? If I feel anxious, I'll just tell myself that, you know, it, it's going to turn out better mm -hmm. and I expect it will. So what's the problem with taking something I've never done before? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it always did. But then this time, when he's like, yeah, I'd like this done, you know, pennies, whatever. I thought about it and I thought I could make a dope YouTube video, some TikToks, some reels, and that would um, add to my por portfolio of being like, you know, a great artist, like I said physical proof that I do what I do pretty much and I thought like imagine being the person that made a penny portrait mm -hmm. right so I was like hey so I took it especially when he told me how much money he was gonna pay me I was like yeah that sounds good so so at this point are you a person who is like I need half up front yep. I need you to pay the whole thing half up front I got half okay. up front yeah and are you one of these folks that once you get the bread, you start spending it. So it's kind of like you have to finish it. There's no real going back. Yeah, I guess so. Like I could have just like saved like my paycheck and given it to him. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to give up either. Or and I didn't think about giving up. I was like, it's impossible. I just I'm going to do it. So yeah, the only bad thing about the commission was that it there was nothing wrong with him. He was great. He's a great client, you know. But the thing is, I did a lack of preparation. I didn't know I was severely allergic to the super glue. What? How am I supposed to know? A doctor never told me, hey, Stacy, you're allergic to Gorilla Glue. Yeah. But you know what? I'm pretty sure this stuff could probably give the same effect to a lot of people. Like, it could just be me severely allergic to this specific glue. Like, you know, this glue is probably very, very irritating. And I'm sure, like, it wouldn't be healthy for a lot of other people as well. So Maybe how the far same along were happen. you when you actually realized that you were allergic to it? Um, like, what was that? Like, when did you realize it? And how far along were you in the, um, in the I glued half the pennies down. And I had, like... Just like a mosquito bite on my forehead, it looked like. Mm -hmm. And I'd scratch it, but it wasn't like that itchy. Like it was a little bit itchy. And I was like, if I scratch it, like it was getting worse, right? Like a mosquito okay. bite. So I was like, I'm going to leave it alone. And it's going to be gone in a couple of days, right? Mm -hmm. Started to get like spread, like mm -hmm. a little bit, like, you know, like a bigger, like it was just swollen. And then I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, what's going on? Why? And then, yeah, I was working yeah. every day. You know, even at night. And I remember getting some super glue. I was wearing gloves and like, no, I wore a t-shirt a few times. That's my problem in shorts. Okay, I'm but, sorry. And before we continue, how many days have we been working on this project already? A week, maybe? And I wasn't like, I worked on it every day consistently. Okay. Like I'd worked on it for two days and I went away for like a week and okay. I came back, you know, whatever. But, um, because there wasn't like a very tight deadline. So... It was when it started to get closer to the deadline. I have a problem for leaving things to the last minute a little Procrastinator. bit. Procrastinator. Yeah. I work well under pressure. I like to work, like if I have three days, I would rather work uh, 15 hours for those three days rather than like work five hours a day for like a more prolonged period of time. I'd mm -hmm. rather just get it done and squeeze it like right through. So that's what I do. And... um 
Yeah, so the mosquito bite started to get like a little bigger. And then I got a little bit of super glue on my AirPods, I believe. I remember like listening to music and I was like trying to pull out one AirPod. I was like, it's not wow. coming out. I super glued my AirPod into my own ear, right? It's literally like big fat liar. Yeah. So I remember just like the next day, my ears were both like swollen and red and they hurt. So I was like, super glued like something must have happened like i don't know right mm -hmm. and i had already gotten super glued like on my forearms at times and on my legs but i was like it's just glue. like i've gotten super glue on me plenty of times but i've never used this brand before i've used e6000 and i've used crazy glue and all that but this was the first time i've used gorilla glue okay. and it, it was a specific type of gorilla glue like this industrial okay one that was like the same color and consistency of honey wow. i forget like it wasn't clear or anything mm -hmm. so there was something else in it and you know what e6000 glue you put a little bit and it dries the same size but this glue would spread and it started to bubble up before it dried whoa so that i was like what the hell is this glue right mm -hmm. but like uh, one day I woke up, my whole face was a mosquito bite. It was puffy as hell. Yeah. My eyelids were puffed right out. Oh, man. My nose, my ears hurt like so bad. And um, my arms and my legs were like, it looked as though I had like, someone had thrown acid on me or something. Like I was like wounded, bleeding, and I had like hives and everything in my whole body. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. Like, I was just screaming in pain and I was crying. I couldn't do anything, yo. Like, I remember waking up that day and my arms, like, I couldn't look down at myself. It was terrifying. It didn't look like my own skin. Like, I remember when I saw a picture of my face again, like, a month and a half later, I actually started to cry just because oh, it was man. like, it hit so hard. But I'm grateful it happened to me at the same time. But I guess when, when that all happened, I kept trying to continue to work. I had three days left until I had to be done. Yeah. And I was working through the pain, but I would be there like so sitting there just so angry with myself and with the client and with everything. Like, I can't believe I, this is what I would do just for a paycheck. Like, you know, it felt like I was worthless. It was wow. like, it was like am I really willing to throw my whole self away just for money, you know? And I could hardly breathe. It was like the worst feeling in the whole world. Wow. And yeah, I had to go to the doctor, you know, the hospital and all that. And they gave me some steroids and some medicine. And uh, I had to take sleeping pills just to fall asleep. Like it was really, really crazy. And I couldn't really, when I showered, it burned. No, yeah. my roommate saw the worst side of me. I would be like rocking back and forth on the floor, just like screaming, yelling, like crying. I was like, I might just break every single mirror in the house. Like I, I didn't recognize myself in the mirror, like when oh, I man. looked at my face. And I was like, am I ever going to be pretty? Like, how am I ever going to get a boyfriend? How am I going to get married? How, yeah. Am I going to be ugly forever? Is my face ever going to go back to normal? Is so my body much ever? Off of like one commission, you know? Like, if you've seen, like, the way that my arms and legs looked, I'm surprised that, like, they went back to normal, like, the way that they did because I thought I was going to be scarred. Like, I thought that I would never look the same again. It was so, so bad. It was like, how do I even... Like, I, not only was I, like, bleeding and wounded, but, like, 
I could say it looked like I had been attacked by 100 bees on one arm. Easy. I see. Bees. Like a lot of hives. Like everything's kind of just swollen. Oh, man. And like, That's rough. My nose had puffed so much to the point that my skin ripped open Ooh. and it started to bleed. Oh, and man. it hurt. Like every time I touched my nose, it burned. Yeah. And like my skin was ripping open. Oh, man. And I, I, I was just like... I thought like before that this happened, it was always like, man, am I pretty enough? Like, you know, oh my gosh, like I should get a nose job. You know, my, I wish my triceps were a little smaller. I wish this, I wish that, I wish, I wish this. No, in those moments, I was like, there's nothing I would want more than to have me back. Wow. Than to just like look the way that I look. How come, I, I remember looking at like pictures and videos of myself that I had taken before this all happened. And I was like, how could this girl, like, right here ever be insecure, think that she's ugly, and, like, you know, hate the way that her body or her face looks? Because, like, there's nothing I want more right now than to look like her. Like, she looks gorgeous. She looks beautiful. Why why did I hate myself before this? Like, because I had gone through phases where I was very confident and then I wasn't, you know, weight loss, weight gain, whatever. And, like, even, like, acne, dealing with that. And it's, like... In those moments, that taught me to be truly, truly, truly grateful for myself. Wow. So when I did start to heal, finally, and my skin and body started to go back to normal. Kind of rejuvenating. I felt like I had like found God again. It was just like, oh, that was something else. Yeah. And I decided then, I was like, I'll never, I don't want to do a commission like this just. You are selling yourself for what? Money? Like, it's the same as anything. Like, like I said, the lesson that I learned from this too is selling your soul for money. Even if it is art. Even if it'll make me more renowned as an artist. It's still not the art that I wanted to make. And it's just as meaningful as working at McDonald's for me. Like, you know... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even care I, like about my portfolio at that point anymore. Like I, had an, I have enough at this point. And this was in February. You know what? The worst for it was Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was the day I went into the hospital. 2023. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that, so that was not too long ago, just to give you like a time frame. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have enough of like commissions that I've done to be like, I am who I say I am now just buy what I make. You know, I had done what I needed to do. And I realized like, why I understand if you like doing commissions and you like turning other people's dreams into reality, it's beautiful. And it's a great way to get you going at the start. It's definitely gotten me going at the start. It has improved my skills. It is what has taught me so much about a lot that I know. I don't even, it's taught me so much, but honestly, as an artist, you don't need to be doing commissions, especially once you've already spent some time doing them. You don't, and I don't want to do them. Like, honestly, maybe a specific commission when it's like, that sounds like something that'd be cool to do. Mm -hmm. I want to do it. But like, I I decided right then and there, I'll never ever take a commission that I'm not ecstatic to do. Like when you told me to paint this room, I was like, I'm ecstatic to do that. That sounds like so much fun. But if it doesn't sound like fun, paint my family portrait, like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's what I decided. And it's the same as, like, 
making money in any way that doesn't feel personally fulfilling, you know, like just doing something just to make money. Like that's the primary, that's the primary motive. Like, I think I told you that when we were talking about when I had a drop shipping business, I said the only motive that I had when I ran that had nothing to do with art was just to make money. And that's, that seems to be the motivation behind like accepting a lot of commissions. It's just to make money. And it's like you're selling your soul if you don't feel like that's something that will make you happy personally, honestly. You are. You are paying with your life. I guess it was letting other people dictate my success mm. or thinking that I needed commissions just to be successful because I was not educated enough and not aware enough of all the possibilities that I had at the time. Like right now, I currently sell stickers, like products, at the time, I wasn't even sure of, like, what to sell. I always thought, like, yeah, it'd be cool to sell, like, a product. But I didn't know how to, like, do shipping. I didn't know how to run the website that I do now. And, yeah, I wasn't sure, like, the most effective ways to be an entrepreneur. Like, I do now after lots of, like, education and all that, right? Obviously, I don't know anything, but I know a lot more than I used to. And it's, like, at the time, I was just selling my service for a penny. And it's, like, now I know much more than that you know it's education as well well i'm happy that you're at that point where you feel that way thank you so you know what would you have to say to someone who might feel that they're in a position where you know they have to get that validation from others what would you tell them the number one thing is how do you see yourself what is your identity are you um like for a long time I personally identified with, oh, I'm a broke girl that needs to do this for money and I need to do commission. I don't know. I guess that's just how I identified myself as that. I'm like, because I believed I wasn't a big artist and I needed to do this BS to get ahead, that automatically made it true. It's all about, it all starts with what you think and believe about yourself. If I believe that I'm the greatest artist of all time and that I'm going to make a lot off of my art, you're going to start to act that way. Because when you, I could have done one painting in the past that like is okay. Like, but if I like believe that I'm the best artist, despite the lack of evidence in this hypothetical equation, I'm just going to behave like that because I subconsciously and consciously believe I'm the best artist. Word. I'll say, I'm not taking that commission. I'm not doing that. And I'm not charging that either. Because when you believe something about yourself, automatically what you do is going to reflect your self, your identity about yourself. You know, <laughs> I guess I hope that made sense. It does. So it's just everything starts from within. So if I like if. I were to talk to an artist that was just like me like a couple years ago or even like a few months ago, it would just be like, do you believe that you're an artist that's not successful enough that you have to do things like this? Because if you do believe that, then that's what's going to be true. If you don't believe that, then that's what's going to be true. It's simply what you believe. I find that thoughts always become things. Always. I could have believed when I was 14 that Canada would have beaten me up and I would have like not been able to handle it and that probably would have been true 
you know, but that's not what I believed. It's just about what you believe. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And all right, so for my last question to the Stacy who was watching Blair Witch Project with her cousins, what would you say to that version of yourself? That's cool that you intertwine that. Just Thank because you. somebody, such as your parents, telling you not to watch a movie, they never let me watch horror movies, especially at that age. Especially because after I watched that, I was like, Mom, can we watch this movie? Like, you know, The Shining or whatever. She'd be like, no. Like, yeah. you know, like some old horror movies or whatever. It'd always be no. But I guess if I were to talk to myself then, it'd be like, you're doing something that everyone else is probably saying you shouldn't be doing. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. So just follow your heart, you know? And that's what I did, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just... I would say make sure that you stay true to yourself and um, stay confident in yourself and don't let anybody else dictate your worth. You know, like him, that guy who hired me for the Penny Project, like in my eyes, even though obviously it wasn't his intention, right? He's just paying somebody for a service, which is great. That's business. But like, it honestly just felt like I'm defining my worth as like this amount of money and this idea dictated by somebody else. And I remember even when I finished it, he was like, can you change this and that and this? Like, it was just so annoying. And it would just be stay true to yourself. Like if something doesn't feel right or if something does feel right, then you need to like have that knowledge within and trust in yourself trust yourself number one if you don't trust yourself nobody's gonna be able to trust you like yeah you just always stay true to yourself and trust yourself that's so 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 important awesome mm-hmm. that's beautiful thank you stacy thank you so much for your time i'm extremely grateful for you sharing all these things and your vulnerability you know you're the first episode of mac world you are gonna have a mark in Macworld forever because I mean you made this whole room so possible. Thank you. Um, yeah, guys, if you like what you see, you're just gonna have to get whatever she has to offer because she's not doing anything that you want her to do. It's that simple. <laughs> I sell stickers, guys. Yeah. If you want to get sticky. Get sticky. <laughs> Art by smf.com. A R T B Y S M F dot com. You right. can stick them on your guitar, notebook, planner, journal, car face <laughs> yes they can go anywhere you want them to go that's right yeah and one place that they're definitely going is in mac world it's been very real thank you guys peace hey benny man how long do you think it takes to get famous for a musician or a painter whatever famous four years six to get rich First, you're gonna have to dress right, you know? Then you're gonna have to hang out with famous people, you know? Make friends with the right blonde people. Go to the right parties, yeah? Social life. Then, you gotta do your work all the time when you're not doing that. But I'm talking about the same kind of work, the same style, so people can recognize it and don't get confused, you know? Then, once you're famous, airborne, you know? You gotta keep doing it in the same way. 
even after it's boring, unless you want people to really get mad at you, which they will anyway. Come on, man, let's go. Shoot, man. Come on. I mean, famous people are usually pretty fucking stupid. You're too smart. You don't. Trash ass nigga. Fuck wrong with you.